1: The goal, who got the assist, who got the assist?
0: Hello, so you know that feeling in old cars where you had the key in the ignition, but it just wouldn't spring to life? Well, the season's becoming a bit like that. It's yet another week of my doldrums for a majority of managers. Uh, Well done if you have escaped uh, the misery a little bit. Um, Almost made us reconsider just republishing the pod from a couple of weeks ago and just getting on with things. But you know what, we decided uh, to resist the urge to be lazy, and instead we're here to continue the inquest and hope for a great big beautiful
1: tomorrow. Uh, Joined today by Nick, a very busy and tired looking Nick. Uh, How are you? Yeah, not bad. Thank you, Tom. Um, Recovered from chicken pox. Um, (laughs) Thankfully, as um, many of the people that listen to our uh, pod with um, Planet FPL, I was a bit waylaid, a bit ill. Um, My son was ill as well, but both of us are healthy and on the mend, which is good news. Um, Just to say, who we are. We are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, And you can also find myself at WGTA underscore Nick. Um, And make sure to... Listen and subscribe uh, via the usual pod repository, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever. Um, so what are we talking about today, Tom?
0: Cool. So this week is actually about fine margins a bit. So I've had a look through your team versus mine just to see how you've gotten ahead a little bit. Just to think about what's been going on so far and kind of what the differences have been. Um, I've also de- delved into the team of the week data a little bit actually to see if there's anything interesting uh, to help us explain further what's going on and I guess we'll also talk through kind of uh, the risk versus reward side that sort of dynamic we end up at and um, talk about some pairings and obviously you wildcarded this week Nick much to your chagrin it's not really paid off but you've got a, a few reflections I suppose on that too and of course do the features and of course take some of the many many questions from the community thanks for those.
1: Yeah, thanks for the questions as always, guys. Um, So yeah, that sounds good, Tom. Shall we uh, get started then with the game week reviews? Would you like to go first? Uh, Not really.
0: Um, It's not been. It's it's, it's been. I think for everybody, it's been a a pretty pretty hard game week. Um, I've uh, got. 24 at the moment. I've got one man still playing. We're recording during the Arsenal uh, Sheffield United game. We're one man, on the bench in Lundstram, who's going to come on for Otamendi. Um, but yeah, 24, 24, points plus Lundstram isn't great. The only return I got all week was Raheem Sterling's assist. That was it. But the rest of my team either blanked or didn't play at all. In the case of Otamendi, didn't play at all. Uh, Son didn't start. Um, and uh, yeah, the big hope, Callum Wilson, um, hoping for lots of goals in that. Uh, Bournemouth Norwich game, absolutely anomalous 0 0 result uh, in that game, basically. Uh, Damn my team and set the tone for the rest of it. And it's just been relentless, hasn't it? How poor it's been. Like, I, I genuinely can't remember. I think from game week, I think game week three was last time I hit more than sixty points. Like it's been really, really poor. I'm still sitting at one point five million. Like I know we're all bunched up and stuff, but yeah, it's definitely testing a lot of patience. So I was quite glad actually that we got got a lot of questions this week. So I was quite, uh, I was expecting there to be total disengagement and disenfranchisement with FPL. But I think we're all in it together and all having a terrible time. So yeah, hopefully next week's going
1: to be better. Uh, what about you, Nick? It, it wasn't it wasn't great, to be honest, yeah. So a little bit disappointing when you when you wildcard and you change things up and uh, and everything kind of goes to pot. And um, I think actually my um, my team would have done better if I hadn't wildcarded because I had the likes of Luca Dean and also played Sergio Rico. So Rico's on my bench, sitting there as first sub, eight points, which is a bit frustrating. The team got 32 in total. So it is a red arrow. It was actually looking like a green um, for some reason, as of last night, which just shows how how poor a game week is. But since then, um, the auto subs have kicked in. I've gone down about seventy places, which is a bit, uh, a bit frustrating. But yeah, it's only um, returns were Tamori um, got five points because he got yet a car as well, and uh, Raheem Sterling who you mentioned. So uh, not not great at all.
0: Yeah, it, it's been it has just been. Oh, is it, I've run out run out of words to describe how it's been to some extent. And I guess t- today we're going to be continuing kind of to look at a, f- a few things around um, how the season's gone. Like we know that some people are absolutely flying. For example, FPL Chef did me a bit of a favour on Twitter and said that m- my work on value was why he is uh, doing so well this year. If only I take my own advice, but well done to well done to Chef and others. Um, but on an overall level, it's fair to say it's been a bit of a difficult one uh, for many. And you know, we looked. at, looked at This was a great point about that two weeks ago um, now, and I guess we're kind of adding a couple of new dimensions today just to kind of see how the season's going and kind of just check in on on what might be happening. And we don't often do this, actually. We don't often focus on our own teams very often because we we are trying to kind of give advice on a higher level. But uh, for the first thing, I think, in terms of the theme, uh, the topic of uh, fine margins, I just wanted to go over, Nick, uh, So um, our teams and how you've gotten ahead uh, this year. Just cause it's, always, it's a fascinating exercise just to do quickly because like, there's a 33-point gap um, accepting tonight's outcome um, between you and I. Um, your OR is at 380k and mine is 1.5 million. Um, throughout the course of this season, we've only we've captain the same guy every week except once, which was in game week seven, uh, when I captained Son and you captain Salah. And actually, I, you only I only gained four points when you threw that you've beefed me basically every week. And I had a look for why, and the why is is, is really interesting (laughs) because our teams have been so similar for the majority of the time. It's just been these sorts of instances. So game week two, you scored 52 points, I scored 42. The why... You had Lucas Moore and Josh King. They got Excellent. six points each. Excellent picks there. Moore yeah, and yeah. As well. <laughs> I had Jota and Fraser. they both blanked. Um, game week four, you had a Zinchenko clean sheet, um, whereas my Jota blanked again. Uh, game week five, you had a uh, Todd Cantwell scoring you the goal, uh, whereas uh, Shibellos uh, my player, failed. Game week six, KDB Vice versus Salad Vice. And the last two game weeks, you've beaten me, but I've beaten you by one point, you've beaten me by one point. And this week, pretty much it's Tamori. <laughs> it's the only difference between the two of us. Absolutely, just crazy stuff. Like all of these little sort of moments, are uh, the, the things at the moment which are separating us. And this, as I've just mentioned, you're 480k, I'm 1.5 million. Like, okay, we spoke about the captains of Alex, but do you think these little sort of extra moments are uh, to luck like do you think
1: they're going to even out like how would you describe those I, d- I don't know when you mentioned the players that have sort of returned me in terms of the differences it does does seem a little bit jammy to be honest in terms of some of those assets I mean they're not particularly players that you'd expect uh, massive hauls from but you know they, they delivered on the day and um, they caught my eye clearly I mean other players like Trebaos, you might have said it was a bit, a bit too much of a risky punt perhaps I don't know but um yeah, I mean, it is, it is fine margins as you said. It's these captain picks we talked about um, last week or the week before when we were talking about how you know picking between Sterling and Salah would have made you know about thirty plus points overall. Those Liverpool clean sheets, if we got them, would have made such a huge difference as well. But yeah, we've been picking the wrong captains week in week out, and other people have been as well. And now it's just, I think for everyone, no no one can find any points just because none of the none of the premium assets are performing at all. They're all blanking, which is <laughs> at least we're all kind of in the same boat. Like you know, it, it's rubbish, and you feel really you know crappy when you have a really bad game week and you're looking around and you're seeing all the people on twitter with their 60 points their 70 points and you think you're looking at your 30 and 40 picking price on the queue up now at least when we're on 30 or 40 points or whatever 30 and 20 points i haven't really seen any big calls i think the highest i've probably seen is about 55 or 60 online to be honest i don't know you've seen any massive holes but it seems like the last couple no. of weeks um, everyone's been suffering like all the all the premium players, all the captain picks have been blanking, even the differential picks have been blanking, you know, the likes of um, Puki as well I've sold, um, um, have getting 1.2 weeks in a row looking like a good decision. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's just, it just doesn't seem to be um, much working out for you. I think you, you've got you a little bit of the team of the week, haven't you, for the last few game weeks. And, uh, you know, some of the players that are in those teams of the weeks, is really, it's just becoming very, very hard to predict, you know, who'd expect Jan Mat, for instance, to be hauling against Spurs and be the top scorer this week. No, uh, not expected at all. Yeah, exactly. Those sorts of players are just,
0: just coming through, aren't they? Like, you'd, you'd be hoping an end has a start with this sort of thing, but it, it, you, we are going to find that it, things are going to turn the corner. But I think there's definitely been the case that the quote-unquote template formed very, very quickly, didn't it? And I think people did start to think, including myself, that, oh, I can't go without this guy. I can't go without that guy. And actually, we were so early on into the season that... I just think it was just a bit too early for it to all come together and us all to congregate around certain players like what's really interesting is that this week for example the top 15 own players uh, VVD Abraham Sterling Mount Pukki KDB Lundstram Salah TAA Mane Aguero Aubameyang Kelly Button and And um, the highest score of any of those players so far let's see what happens with this, the rest of this game Lundstram yeah it's, yeah, it could be Lundstram if he gets a clean sheet or it, it's Raheem Sterling with five otherwise which is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, meanwhile, all of the top scorers this week Alonso, Greedish, Yangmat. Barnes uh, it's Harvey Barnes oh, yeah. that is and David Silva of um, the top five only Silva and Rashford of the top 15 uh, scorers this week have ownership over 10% got, like so João Cancelo 0.9% who scored the top highest Sidivi 0.2 it's absolutely crazy then. I mean, it's really really hard to j- just wrap your head around what's going on you mentioned a second ago I looked at the team of the week data um, so this was FPL JB on, um, on Twitter he looked I think it was last week he looked looked at the points the team scored that week and the and the week before sort of thing what i did was i looked through all of the team of the week data and i kind of compared that so the points they got that week to the points they got the next week and basically i proved that team of the week is an absolutely useless measure of of, uh, predicting anything an average of three players per week will return again Uh, the average team of the week score is 133 Um, But the average score the next week is forty for a team of the week. That's over the first eight, which is absolutely crazy. Um, And fourteen players have appeared twice in team of the week. But Nick, only two players have appeared three times. Who are they? KDB. No. Oh, okay. I was going to say Sterling. No. Yeah, you're in the right ballpark. Yeah, Marno's one. Who would the second one be? Um. Agüero, Salah. He, he, I'll give you a clue. His brother's name Timmy.
1: <laughs> what? It'll
0: okay. make sense It's a Tammy Tammy Abraham Tammy Abraham His brother is actually called Timmy which I found out today I'm hilarious Does he play football as well? Yeah he does he's a forward for Fulham <laughs> but, um, get, This week is on course to be the worst week um, in terms of team of the week as well with no no players returning um, after uh, Arsenal conceded unless David Luiz scores the last minute goal or something like that um, So it just goes to show that on, on all sort of measures at the moment we are really struggling to try and figure out what the hell is going on effectively there's a real ocean of the night about uh, how things have been going because it has been you know four or five weeks where it has really been a bit of a struggle and i guess what that leads us on to then is the fact that you've got this kind of risk versus reward thing going up because players are super bunched up um And it's more about kind of how you make a difference. So we spoke about that with Dare a little bit. And a few people did ask questions of us this week about that too, Nick. So Steve King asked a question. uh, He said, if the template is broken, or at least needed some TLC, is it time to become more differential? And FPL Finch asks us, like, do we template up or go wild at this point? So for example, he uh, attached the gif of Rashford and so I'm planning on getting this guy in. Um, so Nick, this is quite interesting for you to reflect on your wildcard summits them because you had two teams. You have one team which is a little bit more differential. You know, you've got big powers, sorts of guys and the team you ultimately went with, which was uh, fair to say a little bit more template. Like, how do you think about that now? Like, do you think you should have gone the other way on reflection and kind of differentiated more? Are you happy with your kind of templation? You do always say, for example, keep calm and follow the template. Don't you?
1: Yeah. I have said that before, but I mean, like, to be honest, like the second team that I ended up going with got a lot of praise. Whilst the first team got a lot of criticism and maybe I should just ignore the criticism and say, you know what, I'm just going to go with the, my initial thoughts, uh, which was a bit, of a bit more of a kind of powerful it had Obamiyang in there as well and Obamiyang was going to be the captain so maybe ask me the same question at the end of the game in case something happens I might change my answer but um, you know at the end of the day this team I've got now has a very strong bench maybe that's worked to my disadvantage uh, this game week with the Rico eight pointer but I would have probably played Rico and I'd have had like a, a setup which was looking like it was going to end up with um, Winston Reed and or um, still hanging on to um, Mason Greenwood, whilst now I've got a bench this game week of Rico, um, Aaron Connolly, and uh, and Lindstrom. So I've ended up with a lot, a lot stronger bench, a lot a lot stronger starting eleven as well. Because that starting eleven also was including um, Todd Cantle. So um, at the end of the day, my team is a lot stronger on paper. I've spread the budget a little bit more. Whilst you know before that I was going for Bammy Yang. Um, KDB, Sterling, um, and someone else, uh, Salah or Mane, I think, as well. So it's quite a um, power front four team. It's a bit more differential, perhaps, with the Aubameyang pick. But right now, I've got some. I feel like the team's a bit kind of better spread out with likes of Madison and stuff making the numbers, as opposed to having Campbell as the fifth midfielder. So I feel like it's worked out all right in the end. To be honest. So I got Callum Wilson, obviously, I went, went with him in the end, um, he was the uh, swap, um, so I didn't have Wilson in the first draft, but Wilson came in for a Bamiyang and uh, followed your advice there, Tom, I know you, uh, you went all oh, IOZ Perez, didn't you, on Twitter, and just, uh, you know, released a, released a thread in terms of um, his attacking output, which obviously meant that he was going to blank, and uh, yeah. even, I even followed you all the way to giving him the armband, which I'm not too confident about, considering no one else would have done well anyway, so... Uh, Yeah. My highest score was Sterling with five, so I haven't really missed out in that regard.
0: No, if there's one result which sums up FPL this season, it is that 0-0, that Bournemouth-Norwich 0-0. I just, everything was pointing to that being a a bit of a goal fest, and I just couldn't believe that was the first day that both of those teams kept a clean sheet against each other. Absolutely just... Oh, it's just so—it's just so hard to process. Where kind of uh, when you when you see that sort of thing happen, it's just, it's so it's so annoying. And I guess now looking at my team, like the fact that I, as I said at the beginning of the pod, like not I'm not able to get it going. I'm not able to kind of make it work. Like I feel like I'm making the runs for FPL, but they're not finding me with the final ball, sort of thing. So, like, do we end up just differentiating now? Do we? Do I end up kind of? Making really punty moves. Like, that's what. That's not really worked in the past, has it? For me, like with players like I don't know KDB when he was back from injury, being brought in instead of Salah. But at that point, Sanchez. I was. Yeah, yeah, San- and Sanchez as well. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks for that reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that, at that at that point, I wasn't. I was doing pretty well. Whereas now, like I was speaking to Tom Campbell earlier, and he was just like, "It's already a disaster." So, it, I mean, can it get any worse by making kind of these sort of transfers? Like. At the moment, for example, I'm looking at I've got a choice here. I can I'm moving Son probably this week. I'm probably gonna wait till Friday. Um I've got a choice basically between putting Mauna in, which is obviously a very straightforward no, uh, no questions asked sort of move or whether I take a punt on someone like Mares, someone like David Silva or someone like Martial I'm 1.5 million but I need to make some changes do I just kind of go with uh, the, the straightforward option like Mane or is this season the sort of season where I buy a player like Mares, fully expecting the next two games Aston Villa and Southampton to be, to be those games where he, a guy like that is going to flourish like, it feels like that sort of risk could be rewarded this year um, whereas in the past faith has been kind of where it's at like what are your views on that
1: Nick? Well I think certainly I think there's opportunities to go with differentials you know like I took that gamble on Pepe for instance which uh, paid off um, for that one week pun. I think someone else that you could perhaps consider is Callum Hudson-Odoi who's actually appearing in the market forces um, this game week with three assists in a row. We've also seen other other players sort of appear from the doldrums. You you talked about him in the last pod how he always breaks the stats, you know, like Jamie Vardy, for instance. Um and Jimenez as well, another one that was sort of a bit anti template, but um delivered the goods this game week. So I think certainly there is scope for differential. I'd be I'd be wary about some of the people you mentioned, the likes of Mares, the likes of David Silva. I feel like it's a little bit um of rotation risk there with those guys. So just uh, be careful with that. But um I think uh, certainly I think you could take risks. I think Martial as well, very interesting option there. You mentioned um Manchester United's fixtures are turning again, aren't they? So um I would certainly um I would certainly consider him. I think um with their run, well they've got Norwich, Bournemouth, Brighton, Sheffield United, Aston Villa for their next five. You know, that could be a really good gamble. You could you could really um Gain some points there because very few people will have him now after his um, lengthy um, injury spell. I
0: know. I, I, I do. I don't mind Marshall, but I, I do because I'm going to be taking out Otamendi as well just because he's useless. So I don't like him as a player, and uh, I'm just going to take him down to I don't know Tamori or something. Um, but oh, it's, I, I'm really tempted to, to triple up on City midfield just for this. I, I know there's a rotation, of course. I know that. That's that's we might as well just not bother saying that ever again. But having Mahrez, uh Sterling, and KDB has, I think, 0.13% of people have that combination, if you want to talk about compound differentials. City are obviously so far ahead in so many of the measures. Um, they've had almost 40 more shots on the shots uh, in the box, for example, than, uh, than Chelsea have. And at home, they're even more imperious. We've got Aston Villa and Southampton over the next two. And having three of them, like. Okay, it's definitely a bit of a gamble, but for in the eight 0 versus Watford, for example, surely it would have been a good thing to have three of them. So two quite good looking home games for City next. I just I quite like that, and I, I'm aware that it could be a complete disaster zone. But equally, the the upside could be very very big because that combination might be highly owned. Probably similar with Martial, though. To be honest, I quite like that. But what about players, Nick, that we already own or? that like are highly owned like is there any scope for changing around those guys like you mentioned uh, Cal hudson Doy there like if you own Mount or if you were kind of still thinking about bringing a Chelsea midfielder would you think well okay Mount's got 40% ownership or something like that would you be thinking that Cal hudson the Doy is a better option there now just to kind of climb the ranks a bit
1: yeah, I mean, he's definitely a decent option. I think Mountain, Hudson, and Adore, I wouldn't like to say one is better than the other, one's a better FPL pick um, than the other. We've, we've not really got enough data, to be honest, to be working off. But I certainly think that both are, are really good options, really good value picks. And I'd, if someone asked me if I recommended both, I, I'd say perhaps I'd, I even did. I'd perhaps say, and then just double up on. On, um, on Chelsea because the fixtures are still pretty good you know uh, Burnley Watford Crystal Palace the next three um, Mount didn't get any points this game week uh, but hudson O'Doy's now um, seems to be nailed on in that starting 11 he's got uh, three returns in a row as I said albeit only assists seems like he's really starting to um, you know show that potential he's obviously a highly um, highly rated player and uh, fit, fitting in well with the other Chelsea youth products that we've got at the moment uh, so I think both are a really good picks. So I would never sort of recommend the sideways move either. I'm not a big fan of that, as you know. So um, not a fan of that, but I I certainly think he is a good um, option.
0: Hmm. I mean, the data we do have is obviously the ownership data. So I think that if Cho can keep it up, I think that he could definitely be an option for people just because like, I wasn't very happy paying 0.5 million or whatever it was more for for, for Mount. I'm just not sure I want to pay 0.8, 0.9 million more and people have bought him at 6.1, 6.2 than have 0.7, 0.8 on you. That's that's, that's a lot, but yeah, I, I can see why people would go for Mount I suppose. They'll keep going for Mount. And the final thing I guess is is the Pookie party. So you've left that. I've left that. and um, Pookie is still... Uh, reveal why I've left that I should probably say uh, but Pukki is still one of the highest owned players in the game and uh, has many nice up next um, which is the sort of game of course where Pukki is going to do very very well 35% owned um, but in the lower kind of cheap seats I mean you mentioned Jimenez a minute ago which is who I swapped Pukki for but if you can't afford to go up a little bit there are loads of options aren't there in that sort of bracket and there's one guy who you like quite a lot uh, Neil Mope at Brighton so they've got two good games coming up at Everton and Norwich and we're again in kind of short-term punt territory. I know you absolutely don't like it, but I kind of feel like there are a few teams at the moment who do have those two home games in a row. West Ham have got them as well, like where you can get a player in for those two weeks and kind of ship them out. And I think Mopay at six seems like a nice option because he's so cheap that you can... Kind of affords to mess around with him, like we do say, don't mess around with the premiums too much. But a player like that, like I know you probably wouldn't ever consider it with your conservatism, Nick. But can you see at least why I'm considering, you know, a Mares or something like that?
1: Yeah, I think we can consider these players. I think obviously, um, you know, like some Ope okay, um, hasn't really. Uh, delivered too much yet but his um, teammate Aaron Connolly did against Spurs got a brace uh, perhaps um, you can save an extra 1.5 million as well by, by going for a player like that you know and then you know really adding a bit of flexibility in terms of um, the rest of your team if you if you um, fancy a hardcore gamble of course you've got um, Danny Ings 5.9 uh, three goals now in a row. You know he he is essentially the form player in FPL right now with those returns. With everyone else blanking, you know, maybe take a punt on Danny Ings. Obviously, um, Southampton's fixtures aren't great. They've got Leicester, City, Everton, Arsenal up next—all tough games. But um, you know he's a player that's in form and at five point nine. You know, um, why not? Um, also, obviously, there's um, Wesley again. Villa have some really really tough fixtures uh, coming up next. Uh, six point one but you know he, he did very very well in um, the Norwich game with his hat trick so um yeah you know there's a few punts out there a few gambles um you know those we thought at the beginning of the season we had all these uh forwards sort of delivering week in week out like of Pookie likes of Ashley Bartons and likes of Tammy Abraham as well but you know it has been very dry for them actually and then things are things are changing around um very much um the striker is, is back out of vogue and it's a uh, it's it's not big at the back, but it's it's very little at the back at the moment. <laughs> it was sort of like my my dad, for instance, will go and dad watch later. has gone for a five-man defence um, involving lots of cheap defenders that are doing well. So uh, you know, it's, it's working out for some at least.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's just tantamount to such the, the unpredictable world that we're living in at the moment, where the likes of uh, Lundstram, Rico, and Kelly could feasibly have been a fantastic defensive free over the last like five or six games. Like, is absolutely crazy. Like, it's not an FPL that we're really able to understand. You can probably tell by today's podcast, but it is one that we I keep on marveling at. Like. I know it sounds like a gambler's fallacy, but surely by Neil Gupta's amazing law of averages, we must—the template has got to strike back soon. Like, surely it has to. Surely this isn't going to continue. <laughs> I'm like surely we're not going to end up, you know, buying Danny Ings and triple captioning him, are we? So let's just kind of hope it happens, and hope it improves, and hopefully next week we'll be able to talk about something positive rather than kind of continuing the inquest onwards. But hopefully that was vaguely useful, and we'll move on to the features after this break. Got the assist. Got the assist? Uh, so we're back, we're going to do the feature section now. This is our uh, weekly staple of things that we uh, go through the market forces, you know, the first season, the nick pick versus the Tom pick, and, uh, and Dab Watch. We're going to Part of the zombies for a little while so we have got more time for questions uh, they'll return after the, uh, the next international break just to give an update on how we're doing um, and also to save ourselves the embarrassment of having to report week after week they're doing better than us uh, but let's uh, start with the market forces
1: uh, Nick as the man across the numbers uh, what are you seeing here the racing rats appear to be struggling actually to, to reacting to the uh, the recent events um, and and I think it's a statement that the uh, the most transferred in player has only actually scored three points in the last two game weeks uh, and that's Kevin De Bruyne, who was obviously injured, but in this sort of period of uncertainty and, uh, you know, no template players scoring, no one really knows who to buy. Are we going, Are they going for differentials? What's happening? But KDB, uh, most popular player, most, most transferred in player at this moment in time, with um, just 100,000 transfers at the time of recording. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously um a lot of people looking at that bit of game up next and he was injured, so people buying him back as well. He didn't fall at all, which is very annoying for me as well, because I was hoping to, to cash in on a little bit of money on my wild card, but no. Um KDB most transferred in player. Um so most transferred out actually is Pookie though, you mentioned, and that's four blanks in a row for him and also two yellow cards. Feels like that party's um definitely fizzled out and um started to look a bit lame. Um, you know the Vardy's Tom actually have a distant this- Pookie's party in the sun and invited everyone over to check out his new boombox because Vardy is the second most transferred in player as well, with we over 77,000 transfers in uh, right now. So, yeah, people selling Pookie, poopy? people selling Pookie, people <laughs> buying Vardy. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's not really a surprise. Vardy's doing very well, isn't he? Um, new goals in the road. Um, or three goals in three games now for him. And Leicester's fixtures are very, very nice as well. So looking like a real um, differential pick there.
0: Yeah, no, certainly. I think he's still under 15% owned to 13% uh, I think it is at the moment. But yeah, he's just one of those, isn't he, that, it takes a different mindset, I think, to own Vardy. You've just got to leave, love him and leave him a bit like Eden Hazard used to be. Just just leave him in your team and he's going to do okay over the course of the season. Yeah, you can see that Puk, definitely losing that sort of ownership. Uh, at the beginning, uh, you know, the expectations were he had the weight of the world eventually on his shoulders and it just just looks like it's not really words. But now I've finally sold. I'm sure that his remaining owners are going to have a fantastic time. And to be fair, like, they've got United, Brighton, Watford at the next three, like, as we've said the last few games, those games are also games that you can easily score in. So there you go. Um, Elsewhere, the the uh, mentioned uh, the guy we mentioned earlier on, Cal uh, Hudson Adoy, uh, almost fifty thousand transfers in by for him now. He's up to six point zero again, but still only two point four percent owns. Aubameyang uh, has been brought in a lot, and uh, Sadio Mane uh, still continuing his uh, quest to overtake Mo Salah. So he's now got thirty percent ownership, uh, and he's up to eleven point eight. And Salah is down to thirty one point two next. So there's going to be a momentous occasion, I think, very very soon when the uh, Sadio Mane asserts himself as being the number one uh, Liverpool midfielder. Do not draws.
1: Yeah, that uh, that'll be quite exciting. Tom, I think um, yeah, it's re- re- real strange market forces. Looking at where people have their fingers in the factories, it looks like it's just three players of the top five have blanked this game week, and uh, four players in the top six because Tammy Abraham's the uh, sixth most transferred in player this game week. So yeah, no real confusion in terms of what to do and what people are doing.
0: Yeah, and you can see that. So, for example, so Salah is the third most sold player with fifty-two thousand. So transfers out dropped to twelve point four, and I suspect the fire set will continue, especially if he doesn't, um, especially if he doesn't play in midweek, and uh, people are looking at Mane or something like that. And also the final two, you got Harry Kane um, sold by fifty k. Quite um, a few people actually probably brought him in hoping for a boom against Watford, but it hasn't really quite paid out. And at the bottom of the transfers out is the guy that I'm considering bringing in. It's uh, Riyad Mahrez, 50,000 have also sold him. Um, but it, he, again, is probably going to want to be one of those that I'm hoping I'm going to be able to profit from the tailwind on. I'm hoping there'll be a price drop as well. Um, in the past, if fortune favours the brave, I'm as poor as they come. But maybe this time would be different. And maybe, just maybe, um, if I buy a player like that in, it will come off for me. God, it really is the hope that kills you, isn't it? Uh, all right, let's move on then to, uh, to. What are we going to move on to, Nick? What did we going to move on to? Um, um, 30s. Yeah, let's move on to the over 30s. And uh, yeah, they've done very well this week, actually, um, on the, which is quite surprising. So this is our team of uh, players who are over the hill, over 30 years old, just as we are, um, who are competing basically this year. So a mine specified map fan member has taken the reins. And uh, yeah, this week, Nick, they've uh, scored. 47 points uh, plus whatever Aubameyang manages um, so the transfers this week were Schmeichel and Azpilicueta in for um, the injured uh Hugo Lloris, and also Coleman, who got himself sent off. Uh, 45 points they've got, and they're up to 1.1 million now. So they've overtaken my actual team, which is incredibly depressing. And uh, I'm pretty sure, as, um, I just, just to mention quick, is all my zombies. I'm, I'm pretty sure my zombies are also going to overtake me, because at uh, least Mousset, who scored tonight, is coming off the bench uh, for Laporte. And also, the, uh, Mo Salah, the captain, didn't play. The vice-captain was on Sigurdsson, who came on for three minutes and scored a goal. <laughs> He's going to get 12 points for the captaincy. Wow,
1: that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah my, uh, my zombie's got 47 points this week. Oh, that's so depressing, did, isn't it? Um, they did pretty well as well. Actually, 49 points, sorry, with, the, with Robertson and Aspen, Equate and Rashford and players like that. Doing very well, Lucas Dean as well. So they're, um, they're up about five hundred and fifty k in uh, in rank just just to rub uh, a little bit more salt in those wounds.
0: Oh no, it's 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 so bad. I, again, like we've been doing zombies for a year, and I can't. I think last year we'd all kind of overtaken by game week four or game week five. But I can't believe how much pace they're keeping at the moment. All right, uh, so yeah, the over 30s so. That actually turns to the zombies, even though we're saying we were not going to do them. But yeah, uh, the over is yeah. at one point one million, and my zombies somewhere at one point five and one point four. I think actually cares. All right, the next bit is the Nick Pick versus the Tom Pick. This is a, a pick every week of a player who reflects our uh, our our respective personalities so Nick's is always a small c conservative pick uh, and my pick's always a bit of a mad scientist pick and last week Nick you chose Josh King um, who got one point because he was rested after international duty with England and uh, my pick was uh, Raul Jimenez uh, who scored seven points and should have scored a lot more and um, he got two goals varred and um, which meant his stats as well are absolutely abysmal for the game but if you do reinstate those stats after the VARing he actually did look pretty good and looked pretty sharp I thought um, So, yeah, um, a rare victory for me in these stakes and uh, interesting to hear what your nitpick is going to be this time.
1: So, yeah, for my nitpick this week, I've actually gone for Harry Maguire, Tom. So um, Manchester United have not scored a set piece all year. But I feel like perhaps it's going to be this game week that they can break that duck. We know that Norwich are pretty um, abject defensively. even though they kept a clean sheet last week, of course. But um, you know, Maguire he is pretty solid. in yeah, we know we know that from his um, England heroics as well. And the old slabhead's had um, eight goal attempts so far um, this season. Tom seven inside the box, um, all headed attempts. And uh, I feel like that's actually um, that's actually about sixth firm, um, highest for all defenders, and uh, you know, if you in, in, I'm not really saying he's going to get an attack in return, but you could fancy um Manchester United to keep a clean sheet at home to Norwich, you'd like to think anyway.
0: Away, so they're a, they're away,
1: away to Norwich, but yeah, um, that's my pick anyway.
0: No, I do like Slabhead actually, I've been looking at him a little bit, um, just because basically man united's uh, defensive stats have, have been very very good the attack has not been great i'm not you can't but you can't really knock the defense i think they're they're really good actually i think they? they're a joint bottom for uh, shots conceded in the box for example this year and they've also conceded the second least big chances just after burnley so it does look to be some data there like maguire has missed a couple of big chances and I, i'm Perhaps not. I think you're right you're not saying we were expecting an attack in return from him. Um, but the next five the United you mentioned earlier are really, really good. You'd be expecting them to bank at least two or three clean sheets from that. Um, so yeah that could be a really good pick this week and I nice solidified kind the of, kind of Nick pick there uh, in contrast my pick this week is Jerry D uh, Gerard Dillefeu and um, yeah he'll be back in the team after the injury to uh, Arsenal legend Danny Welbeck and uh, played the full so it looks like he may be back in kind of contention for full time down to 6.1 now uh, all the way down there uh, very very small ownership as well but one of these players with a knack of uh, scoring goals against porous clubs uh, if you want the porous Yeah, Bournemouth aren't particularly good. Um, They're fourth, they, for example, considered the fourth most big chances this year um, and also considered the fifth most uh, shots on target. So I think that they. Uh, Delafeu is the sort of player who could make a difference in that sort of game especially for the likes of Steve Cook probably not going to be able to handle him so yeah that, that's my Tom Pitt this week I do like a bit of Delafeu actually even though um, he can only really perform if he's playing Huddersfield or Cardiff we need to find who those teams are this year so maybe it'll be Bournemouth who knows although they were stalwarts against Norwich weren't they yeah. and the uh, <laughs> the final thing this week Nick is, is Dad Watch. and as you alluded to this is probably just going to deepen the depression
1: for many people and uh, Dabwatch Nick Nicker, take it away how's he been doing so, yeah, he actually had um, a really good week again. He got uh, 50 points um, this game week. So, yeah, blood runs through our veins. Um, but that's where our similarity ends in when it comes to FPL this season, Tom, because, uh, yeah, he's been doing brilliantly. He's back in the top 100K with 50 points. He's gone big at the back, actually. He picked up four clean sheets um, this game week. Uh, Rico, Edison, Dean and Tamori all um, getting him returns. And, and Vardy um, did the business as well. And he's, he's also got all his chips as well. So i still got that wild card intact as well. So, yeah, great week for, for my dad this week.
0: Oh, good God. Well, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. So I'm, I'm a little bit depressed because because it's full-time in that Sheffield United game. It's 1-0. Bittersweet because I've got six points for Lundström off the bench. It takes me up to the lofty heights of 30 for this game week, Nick. I've had a 30-point game week. Very, oh, very God. exciting. And so it means that I don't drop that far. But, um, yeah, a combination of uh, Arsenal losing and hearing how well Ian's doing have uh, absolutely... Uh, yeah, finish me off, I think, for this session. So I'm gonna go off and have a break now and we'll be back in a minute for the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the
1: assist? So we're back and it's um time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. Um lots of low scoring um points for the guys at the top again, but one guy who did really well was a um, Detwin Rin with um, the Wesley Crushers. Even though um, two of his players didn't turn up, he still managed to get 56 points, um, which is going to become 60 points, actually. He misses out, unfortunately, on the Lundström six points. This is his third sub, but 60 points for him this game week. And that's with the Kane um, captain as well. So um, did really well. I think Alonzo, Robertson, Edison getting in loads of points in terms of the defence. Adoy 9 nine-pointer as well. And uh, Vardy as well, um, eight-pointer. Uh, really doing the business for him. And he's... Uh, Right up there in terms of overall rank, currently says um, 95, but the league um, overall in the world, which is fantastic, but the league is still updating as well, so that's easy change. Um, some of the other guys up there Alec Feinhold, uh, Fred the Reds, uh, doing very well, uh, Christina Hogsuff, Christopher Marshall, NS Kaladi, our good friend FPL Chef, doing fantastically well as well, uh, Gait and Debecca, Evan Guest. Omar Magrabi and Sahid Olujumeji, um, all doing very well. That's the top 10 at this current moment in time, but that could easily change. So apologies if um, someone captained John Lundstrom and um, I didn't mention the team because I didn't have the chance to, to review everyone. But uh, yeah, um, well done all the guys that um, are doing very well this season. Fantastic work.
0: Yeah, a lot, lots of familiar names there, aren't there? Uh, but it seems like there's a, a bit of a stranglehold going on. But Declan's just uh, just got into first. So uh, very interesting to see what happens uh, there as we go forward. Just one thing to mention, which is that this year's uh, Christmas party is going to be held, uh, for FPL that is, so is going to be held on the 13th of December, 6pm uh, onwards at the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill um, in London. Uh, we're hosting this year in collaboration with uh, Fancy World Hub. This year it is, uh, again, at the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill, 13th of December. December at 6 p.m. Don't worry, you don't have to tell me if if you're coming or anything like that. Um, I think we have booked out an area for about twenty to thirty people as usual. But I think last year we got, how many, Nick? about kind of forty people. So right, hope, people last year, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, we can get fifty or sixty. But yeah, if you can make it, definitely do. I know people are making plans to kind of head over, even from like places like Northern Ireland or something like that. Uh, so so please do make it. Everyone's really really nice, really friendly, and it's really good to kind of put a name to uh, you know, all sorts of FPL accounts, etc. etc. As a really great uh, event. Every- year so definitely try to do if you can first thing for december that's a friday at 6 p.m Cool. Right, let's move on to the questions now. We've got quite a few this week. Uh, the first one is a, a little bit of a jokey one to get us into it. It's a Ketan Chopra who asks us, do we enjoy the football more now that FPL was a total poo show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that that's a, that's quite an interesting one. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, everything really is a pure watch, even if we're not doing very well. Well, I think um,
1: based on our club's um, results as well, <laughs> we're not really enjoying the football either. I mean, as a Spurs fan, it's been utterly miserable Last month or so watching us we've just been uh, absolutely terrible and just even like getting the point against Watford felt very bittersweet considering the defeats against Brighton and, and Bayern Munich etc that we've seen in the last few game weeks so yeah it's a bit, of a bit of a downer at the moment I'm sure you're not particularly happy after that Sheffield United one year even though you did pick up your John Lindstrom points um but always nice um Uh, for me as a Spurs fan, see Arsenal suffer as well. But uh, yeah, it's um, been a bit weird. Um, I do quite like watching the pure watches, you know, like Everton versus West Ham, even though Luca Dean wound me up a little bit, like just watching that game, knowing that I didn't have any assets, didn't really care who did well, um, was quite nice. And it's always nice to kind of, you know, try and, Um, let FPL take a little bit of a backseat as well because I do find sometimes when I'm watching these games, like if my captain's playing, for instance, I just, I do get a little bit worked up. Just kind of like, Wanting them to do something, and then you're just like you end up just sort of spending two hours just stressed, and you're like, Why why do I even bother watching this football match? I could have just like read a nice book or watch a movie or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I've just spent my week last two hours, especially the three o'clock kickoffs as well. Like, I watched those this weekend, but I didn't watch them, you know, I was following the the sports um, news show. And off at the end of it, it was like five thirty. I, I felt so, um. I felt so rubbish after the uh, the 8 victories like, oh, why do I even bother, you know, so, so uh, yeah, I mean, it, watching football is always fun, I really enjoy watching football, but sometimes, yeah, it's nice to kind of take a little bit, of, um, put FPL to the back of your mind and just actually enjoy the, enjoy the game, rather than just thinking about the
0: players you own. I uh, just, I'm just not able to do that. I don't think I, like, uh, I'm a fragile thing. You should know that by now, and uh, I should be careful. what I put myself through, and FPL certainly is a, a, on days like Saturday, a, a very, very hard thing to to go through. I mean, I was in Liverpool this weekend with a friend, and uh, I think between kind of three and five, I was like just, just I was looking at my phone, and just like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. And it was actually quite good, actually, in some ways, because I, I was with my mate, and then we were just uh, playing on the PlayStation, and I, I could actually take my mind off it, which is great. But you know, if I'm sitting, you get really, really annoyed. Now, there's moments when uh, you have a bit of a sense of humour fail, as uh, our friend would put it, and you just kind of go, oh, you know, I've got to just, just, just go off for a little while and just calm down because I'm so, so annoyed. Like it's amazing how FEL can get to you in some ways. Like you get those really kind of ecstasy laden highs and those kind of awful troughs, which are the lows. And I'm just, just. I think it'll be such a release, so cathartic when we all turn around and get a 60-70 point game week again. It is definitely going to happen. 80-90 point game, what am I talking about? 60-70 there, we don't want that. We want 80 or 90. When that happens, uh, I I think we're all going to feel a lot better. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm not able to, especially as you said, with Arsenal being, yeah, uh, basically nice to have turned into the new Stoke, haven't they? And I think we'd, we'd definitely, uh, yeah, it was a really, really poor performance this evening. I've been, you know, trying to keep an eye on it as well. We've been talking as you have too. And it's, yeah, but, um, yeah no I think um, I think FPL is in my blood now there's not very much I can do about that Um, okay uh, let's move on to the next question then it's about short termism Um, Adam at 352 hey mate um, asked with unpredictability rife uh, should we focus on short term planning rather than longer term picks currently Uh, but funnily enough people have asked the opposite question too so Jeremy Lewis and Simon both asked is it actually time for Echo managers to basically go on holiday and do jack all with their teams as this volatility continues and uh, Andy Penman, in fact, goes one step even further than that, goes all the way to oblivion and asks, does it really matter what we do at the moment? So it kind of gets to the crux of uh, how we're all feeling. And I know we've uh, spoken about it beforehand. And of course, well done if you're doing well. But um, what do you think about that, Nick? Should we just just give up any vestige of long-term planning and just think, yeah, let's just focus on buying Mara's, like I've been saying?
1: Well, I think um, I'm more towards the kind of the Jeremy Lewis and Simon side of things in terms of my response. I feel like it's it's certainly not really the time to kind of make lots of changes and take hits. Um, I think definitely not. Definitely wasn't the game week to take any hits. wasn't the game week unfortunately to wild card either. But of course, I, I went for that. I think now I'm certainly going to be looking at rolling my transfer having. Um, card this week and not make any changes not kind of throw everyone out because there's no one to bring in and we saw that in the market forces we don't know who no one's informed problem Danny Ings no one's getting returns week in week out right now so it, you can't really predict anything. You know, it's, it's too tricky to say what happens next. You can only look at the fixtures and, and try and make some informed decisions. And there are certain truths that will remain true, and that is that Manchester City are a very strong attacking team, which means that, no doubt, if we trust in our Manchester City assets, for instance, home match against Aston Villa, we should do well, all things considered. But, um, you know, it is very hard to predict what's going on at the moment. So... Um, you know, you can you could try both ways. You could just leave it. You could take a bunch of hits. You know, it might pay off, might not pay off. Who knows? So, yeah, just just go wild and, and do what you want to do with your teams. <laughs> That's probably my response right
0: now. Yeah, it really has been crazy season. And, yeah, I, I know in the past, for example, those people have disliked the fact that the temper has been so solid and basically you made gains for other people making mistakes, like me selling, like, a big players like Salah. This year it really has gone the opposite way where, um, you know, making those sorts of uh, calculated risky decisions really has paid off and removing players. like with Puk, I said it for a long time that the story of him is when to jump off. And, you know, we've both, we both took a few blanks from him before we finally sold, didn't we? And I think it's just, it is, it has been one of those sort of, sort of years where, I I guess taking those sorts of short term risks things that have been kind of inculcated into sort of bad ideas have have really started to pay off like it's fascinating like with um, where I work as well like with traders and how people react to the market like at the moment the market uh, I'm going to digress a little bit here—is very volatile because Donald Trump tweets about the China trade war and suddenly everyone's on you know trading and blah 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 blah. but there's loads of other people as well who don't trade because it's too volatile they can't predict it they can't tell what's going on and it's fascinating to see that sort of of characteristic also play out in FPL a little bit for example the questions that Jeremy and Simon have said it's just so volatile I just don't want to touch it it's one of those things where there's no no real answer and um, I just without the benefit of hindsight it's, it's really difficult to tell because there are loads of things where experience tells me to do one thing and My my kind of gut, my whim, my initial instincts is do another, and this year I have tried to play it very as safely as possible after last year's debacle with taking a lot of kind of uh, risky moves and. To be honest, it's not really paid off. So I am beginning to think now is the time to time to go a bit mad and, and do something a little bit different. I, I'm not saying mad, mad as in go go and captain the Maras. I'm still gonna catch in De Bruyne or something like that. But I I just think it could be uh, it, it just could be that sort of time to do something different because we do have a template which isn't performing. There's gonna be a whole load of players who are not gonna deviate from the template because that's what they do, that's how that, that has worked for them in the past. It's just a case of having a few players, I guess, who are able to, to be a differential for you and having that kind of compound differential in your mind. So, having a combination of players, which is lower range, is obviously very, very good. Yeah, it's tough, as a, as a wise man would say. Right, uh moving on, to something a bit more a bit more targeted. the Vardy Party or the Madison meetup. and um, there's a few questions on these guys. So for example, FPL Cash asks out uh which one of these two we're fancying. And FPL DC asks if Vardy is a must buy right now. Let's take a uh, Cash's question first, Nick. What do you think about these two? Uh which one you I mean, you've got Madison actually, haven't you? So wh- why did you choose Madison over Vardy? Is it just price?
1: Yeah, yeah, for me I think it's mainly about the price and who I could afford. Um, you know, I I've always been one to to favour the midfielder over the forward as well. But I think um I think Jamie Vardy um is a really good pick right now, especially in this sort of period of where we aren't seeing too many informed players. Vardy seems to be one of those players that always will deliver. He's been very, very reliable really over the course of the past few seasons you know every season he's scoring about 15 to 16 goals you can you can trust on him basically to score week in, um you know every other week and you know you're not really seeing that sort of um, reliability from um from other assets out there so I really do like as a pick I mean the nine million has always put me off I've always found him a little bit too expensive for my own taste personally so um you know, uh, I don't, I don't know, but he does have six goals and one assist so far. So perhaps um, with Leicester's fixtures, um, he does need to be strongly con- considered by managers. I certainly wouldn't say he was a must-buy, or, or dis- describe anyone as a must-buy right now. Um, I think with Madison. Um, he needs to be strongly considered. And I'd also, um, I'd also give a shout out for, um, Yori Tillman as well, who's doing very well and, um, only 6.4. He's picked up a couple of goals now and an assist as well. And, um, it's actually outscoring Madison uh, by one point. So, um, you know, I think there are definitely a number of options um, for Leicester as well. And with their fixtures, you know, they only really play Arsenal out of the top six in the next, um, in the next eight game weeks, or eight, or the next nine game weeks. So, uh, you know, they do have a really good run of fixtures. Um, and yeah, definitely um, would recommend the Leicester attacking play. I'd also perhaps um, give a shout out to Pereira as well in defence. Uh, Six million, uh, a bit more of a premium pick in defence. But um, definitely has shown that he can deliver in terms of attacking returns. Yeah,
0: a luxury differential, much beloved of Neil Murray. Um, yeah, with, with these two... Um, I see what you're saying about Vardy. I think it's 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 a definitely a, a different state of mind with Vardy. He has got, he has to be regarded as a as a latter day Eden Hazard. Just set him and forget him, catch him every now and again, but just expect that he's going to score in all sorts of games. Like he's just he's a player who just defies like the stats as well he's the player that you need to watch really to get a handle on because if you look at his days you think this is a terrible footballer but actually what he is is a fantastic little scavenging predator uh, madison a bit more of a, a bit more of a tough one because he looks very good doesn't he when you're eye-catching as a footballer but in terms of the end products like last year i wasn't really convinced they so got a few free kicks things like that creates most chance of any player last year of 99 i think it was um but I'm still yet to be convinced that he's going to be able to produce week in, week out. Like him and Jack Grealish, although they are different players, different sorts of players, do uh, do kind of fit into that category of players. That I'm just not not too sure about, but always look very, very good when I watch them play. As you said, but as you said, kind of the teams they're playing uh, are very, very good. The fixtures are nice. Um, you, you do have some uh, a, f- a few away games there, though, uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton, um, where you they're going to come up against defences who sit deep and try to block. And Madsen might be very good for those now because he'll be taking more of those pot shots from outside the box. He really is a bit of kind of a Latter-day Lampard sort of character, just taking lots and lots of pot shots. So that's what you're kind of hoping for. And you're hoping that you can be able to still retain your bonus after he, um, Gets penalized for the shots off target. So, yeah, I, th- I think it either is an acceptable option. You've got to think about other players around that sort of bracket. As you said, Vardy, 9 million. Could you do better with, I don't know, Jimenez, a 7.1? Then you've got 1.9 million to play with. Madison, could you get a Tiedemont? Could you get, um, I don't know, some other player in that cheap bracket a Mason Mount or a Cal hudson Doyle, and have more money to play with oh maybe like for me at the moment Madison's spot is taken by Mount Vardy's spot is taken by uh, Callum Wilson I don't have that extra million to play with so I'm choosing to avoid Leicester for the time being because I've got players in that I like more it's just a case of what you kind of uh, judge to be the best I suppose going forward um, but yeah I, I like them both and I probably would kind of if if i had to choose one go with vardy actually just to just to set and forget basically
1: right next question nick yep the next question is about captaincy conundrums so um samit bojani is hating his captains at the moment as we um spoke about in the first section and um asks how do we even choose these anymore with fixtures for my test and rotation or playing a role in the failures we're seeing um, we have had a similar question from fpo fool who's asked is it time for differential captains well the differential captains didn't really pay off this game week did they I mean I know Callum Wilson um, well Callum Wilson was a bit of a differential captain to be honest I think it's the first time that either of us um, went beyond sort of Liverpool Manchester City player and it probably was the first time for many um, to take a little bit of a gamble this game week Uh, uh, so yeah um, that didn't really work out I know some people tried to captain Pookie as well um, this season as well in games like Norwich versus Burnley which didn't work out so I'm not sure if it is time for the differential captains I feel like I feel like you still got to kind of put your faith in the Manchester City apps assets at least for this game week um at home it is basically the the team with the biggest goal threat against the team that have conceded the most chances um at home so it definitely feels like the time to kind of put your faith again personally for me in a Manchester City player so that's probably what I'll be doing i not going to be taking any risks with the captain. I think um, it's probably going to be Sterling for me. And I know that you know, as as Sumit said, that they all seem to be struggling for form, and we're seeing lots of captain blanks, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, I don't think this. I don't think this is going to last forever. As I said, you know, all things considered, we know that Manchester City are a fantastic team. We also know that Liverpool are a fantastic team, and uh, and they'll be competing for that title right until the end of the season no doubt the rest of the top six you can you can throw them away as far as i can i'm concerned right now <laughs> apart from maybe chelsea but um yeah i think uh i still personally for me i think i'm still gonna go back to putting my faith in those um in those players at those teams um, for the next run of fixtures at least
0: yeah i think you're right like it breaks if you don't force it and it breaks if you don't try and in, in this regard especially like all right we've had a lot of basically bad luck with the captains. But a great point Alex Ball made last week, which really stuck with me, is that like, all of these captaincy choices were all choices that we made with all the data being understood. They're all considered, they're all weighed up, and they're all choices I would make again, not knowing what I know now. Um, like, you know, who would have thought that, you know, captaining as you said, like some sort of differential, like yeah, map or something, would, would pay off? Like, Steve Cook, I think, was the captain of the guy who had the highest score on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely crazy stuff. That's not going to happen. Like, to be honest, there's a reason behind all of this. Like, why we always look at teams like Man City and why we always kind of seem to have a template which forms, um, regardless of what reviews are and what the template is or isn't. Um, and that—that that is that. These players, the players who form that, are all our players who either for form reasons or for the underlying reasons or for fixture are worthy of a place in our consideration. Like there's only what, there's about what I don't know how many how many players are in FPL at the moment, like 450 or so, and there's only really about 100 we actually care about. And in that regard, I think it, the captaincy is the pantheon of what FPL is because it's just you know a good captain is basically what separates a bad week from a good one, and in this regard, like, I don't think it's worth going too mad with it. Like, with that sort of... We, we went through that, didn't we? Remember with Kane and Salah and we went through that with uh, uh, Salah, Aguero, and at the end, of, towards the end of last year, Sterling and Mane getting on the Pantheon. And there's a reason, as you said, because Man City is so good and because Liverpool is so good, that it's definitely worth just backing them because more often than not, they are the guys who are going to come through for you, right? <sighs> I can see why differential captains may work every now and again. Like, we, I think sometimes you've got to put yourself in in that kind of position to take a risk, like Callum Wilson this week, like I we did with Son against Watford in game week seven. Unfortunately, that hasn't paid off. It's not to so say a differential captain is always a bad idea, but you have to use it at the right time or at a time which is prime for that opportunity. This week, with Man City at home to Villa, Nah, play it safe, guys, because I don't think it's going to be too likely that City are going to do nothing, and you'll see, I don't know, the likes of uh, Callum Wilson explode versus Watford away. That would be nice to own but I just don't think that's going to happen. So you can only really do what's sensible, make a decision that you can stand by, if it hasn't worked out in hindsight and hasn't worked out in hindsight, but stay sanguine and just don't get too wrapped up in that and worry about what could have been. If you couldn't, if you wouldn't have thought of it, just, just don't worry about it. Cool. Uh, staying with kind of the, the high octane Liverpool guys, um, well, the high octane players, and next question is Salah for your Mane. Uh, so, Sa asks if the, clam- the clamour for Mane is meaning Salah is becoming overlooked. And Ollie McCabe asks, is Mane a better option than Salah? So, we talk
1: about this a lot. Nick, what's your standard answer here? Well, you know, I have been leaning towards Mane in recent weeks because he's cheaper, which um, is fantastic get an extra 0.6 million which can go a long way in your FPL team to be honest so that's why I kind of sold Salah um for Mane on my wild card though um you know as I said before I don't like swapping them out and changing it to stick with the one you've got and uh and keep him because you'll just be punished by the red brudette. um as I've said many many times they're both very very good players Um I've always been more of a fan of Mo Salah but I do feel like um you know especially in the last year that Mane's actually been the the best performer between the two um in terms of the games i've watched at least but I feel, felt like um, this weekend they really did seem to miss uh, Mo Salah's energy um, in the Liverpool attack and it, they looked a bit blunt without him so um, he he might come back and absolutely smash it and it is a bit concerning to see all those people that are selling him in the market forces because um, they've got Spurs up next and we've been absolutely diabolical um, this season. I don't like to quote this stat because it, it makes me feel a bit depressed but I think apart from Aston Villa, we've actually conceded the second most shot so far this season. So uh, um yeah, it's not been uh, not been great. I'm not sure not quite sure why I um I put gazaniga in my um wildcard team. But yeah, uh bad times anyway. So uh, but yeah, I think um both are, are really good picks and uh, you know they both have um advantages and disadvantages. Cool. No, I think as
0: somebody who doesn't own either at the moment, I'm I'm becoming more and more interested in Salah with each passing market forces, just because the clamour for money is is obviously understandable. I can get that, but the gap between them is is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. before long they're both going to be, you know, twelve point one or something like that. Um, if all the groundswell is towards Mane then I mean it's not true to say that Salah is not going to kind of see a resurgence this year and he's not going to score any more goals or do very well like the stats are always hugely in Salah's favour I mean, obviously we know that Mane's conversion is higher and he's a better finisher but Salah does nonetheless offer a fantastic FPO option he had a poor run of form recently but when we get to game week 13 and maybe I'm looking to bring him on those players maybe I might bring in Mane this week I don't know but I'd be very interested in Salah just because I think that if there is a a kind of a a swing towards Mane, then betting the opposite way is going to be quite fruitful. And I think that that could be very, very interesting indeed. So, yeah, I think that Salah maybe is on something that Salah's being slightly overlooked for Mane, and uh, I'm not sure whether we can categorically say Mane is a better option than Salah. And we've still got a long way to go. We've obviously got the Christmas period where Salah comes to life. It seems uh, uh, to come. I think either is a good option. As you said, Nick, it's just that one in Salah could be really good option um, if everybody does desert him and goes on to Mane so I think he will be back right?
1: Yeah 100% he'll be back. So um had another question from um, John at Sprites John, he's asked us if the strong bench idea still holds up as he's got uh, Lundström and Rico coming off the bench for Salah and Otamendi so that's fantastic for John I think um, you, could, you certainly can go cheap at the back um, you know you mentioned Kelly as well Martin Kelly um, who's injured now? But um, doing very well as well as another very cheap uh, defender. And it's just the cheap defenders are just bossing the uh, the more expensive ones at the moment, especially this game week with Rico and and John Lundstrom. John Lundstrom's just had an absolutely ridiculously good season so far. I think is certainly the uh, the best value pick possible this season, hasn't he been? And um, yeah, I think so. I think you know I did have my team, which was very. Um, very sort of rubbish bench and then have changed things up a little bit Um, but yeah I think you've you've got a few players coming through as well you know the likes of Aaron who I mentioned a few times on the pod already as well another 4.5 million forward that seems to be um, shining as well so I don't think you do need a strong bench I certainly wouldn't be looking at a team and I've seen sort of team structures set up before where they've got like a 6 million or 6.5 million player sort of benched week week in week out you certainly can get away with Having the likes of Rico and Lundström on your bench, and if they're coming on um, and delivering clean sheets, then uh, you know there's nothing wrong at all with that strategy.
0: No, so no, we said at the start of the season, didn't we? Four million is is its value if they uh, get one point off the bench, let alone six or seven, <laughs> like consistently. Uh, I mean, Lundström, as as you heard earlier, saved my week to some extent, or well, got me to thirty at least. And um, the strong bench idea, uh, I just don't think it quite quite tallies up at the moment, John, just because you've got these great options who are playing. And we have an embarrassment of them. And we also have players like Soyuncu and uh, Tamori who benefit from the, from the fact that FPL opened early. Uh, so they're undervalued by 0.5 and uh, have basically provided fantastic value for money. So, I mean, do we need a strong bench at the moment? No. Will we need one over Christmas? Well, maybe, but if Lundstrom and Rico and the likes of you know, Kelly or whatever, are all stepping up and playing, we might have extra money to push onto the pitch. And it's just the case of kind of thinking, well, how are we going to use that or deploy that effectively? But yeah, I mean, this year we have had a couple of godsends really in Lundsjam and Rico particularly. Um, so it could just be a bit of a favour for FPL managers like, okay, the game isn't going that great, but the game, as uh, Joe FFS has said, uh, has thrown us a bone. So uh, maybe we can uh, use, uh, use that extra cash to fund uh, you know, some sort of superstar team later on down the line. Okay. uh, Speaking of funding uh, players in, let's talk about transfers and captains this week. Uh, Nick, you are on your wild—you, Bob, you were on your wildcards. I'm guessing you don't want to be making any changes this week, do you? And uh, who's captain going to be? Is it is Raheem? You said.
1: Yeah. No, I'm not making any changes this game week. The whole idea of my wildcard was it wasn't just for one game week. I'd be sticking with these uh, with these players for a few game weeks and the the fixtures. All look nice. I so, am um, already very tempted to get rid of Gazaniga in goal, who looks like he might have been a little bit of a mistake, especially with that Liverpool fixture looming. But yeah, no, I'm not going to be making any changes. And I will be captaining Raheem Sterling this game week, Tom. Um, what about yourself? I heard you mention Kevin De Bruyne earlier.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be capturing De Bruyne. I think um, I think he'll be at the uh, at the centre of everything. Um, I I am expecting. I mean, it didn't quite happen this week, but I'm expecting uh, Mendy to eventually free up Sterling to um, to to move inside a little bit. But this week, Sterling did stay wide a little bit. Um, I, I think that Kevin De Bruyne is going to be at the centre of everything. Really, for Man City, I'm mean, going to keep an eye on obviously what happens midweek. But uh, I feel like De Bruyne is a uh, quite a solid choice because he's. Probably he's got to be a to rotation, right? You, you've got to hope that. And as for transfers, I did one on Saturday night. I did Puki out for Jimenez um, before he drops. That was Puki, so I could do the one for one. Um, and I was able to keep the door open effectively by doing that move early um, for Mane to come in this week for Son and Otamendi to go for Tomori. Um, however, I'm, I'm thinking about that a little bit more because I've got, yeah, I, I could buy Mane in now and just kind of keep him or i could go uh do something a little bit different and uh really target these two man city fixtures so with ottomendi going um i have a man city spot three so i'm really considering bringing in mares having the three amigos uh, i'm not talking about Mars, kylie and uh on there, but uh, Mares, uh, KDB, and Sterling, uh, against Aston Villa and Southampton, uh, Captain KDB basically just go with all in on City and see what happens. I don't think I've ever tripled up in midfield before, but that could be really, really cool. Could be David Silver as well, of course, depending on who plays in the week. Um, at the back, I could, I could you know bring in Tamori as I was thinking about, or I could. You know go back to Robertson, or I could get Maguire. Your pit this week. I was considering him too. So yeah, quite a lot to think about. Um, I think I'll wait until Friday when I've got maximum information. I'll let all the price changes happen. Like, I was very close to making a change last night because Son drops, um, but I think I'm just going to leave it, wait on it for the time being, and kind of see what happens uh, over the course of uh, over the course of the week, I suppose, of all the midweek football and European action. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne has got to be my captain this week.
1: Yeah, sounds great. I think Jimenez is um, a really, really good pick, actually. Someone that I'm considering how to get him in myself, just looking at Wolves' fixtures. They've got like a fantastic uh, run of games coming up, and uh, yeah, I think he'd be a really good pick. So yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for listening, guys, and thanks for, for getting through uh, this pod. I know it's been another tough game week, but uh, yeah, just to say who we are. We are, who got the yes, assist you can... Find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore and that's WGTA underscore Nick. And make sure to listen and subscribe across the podding spectrum. And if you want to join our league, the league code is EIKX03.
0: Cool. Uh, there's a theme every week. Uh, last week it was the Libertines uh, with Alex Ball, way back when. This week, uh, along the same themes, Naughty's Indie, which we obviously love. But yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, next week we'll come back to you after scoring 80, 90, 100 points. And we've all done very, very well in templates brought back. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope this assists you and we'll be speaking to you very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. You
1: got the assist. Who got the assist?